X marks the spot with special guest, experiencer, and MUFON investigator, Sev Tak. Episode 24 of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Welcome to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Coming to you from the glacial dumping grounds known as the Michigan Basin. I'm Michelle. And I am Wayne. And we are a Michigan-based husband and wife educator and podcasting duo that after having a UFO sighting in March of 2018, have started to examine UFOs and other paranormal topics within Michigan and beyond. Topics include UFOs, the paranormal, conspiracy theories, ghosts, alternative history and archaeology, cryptids, and all things strange and paranormal. So sit back, grab a drink, and come along with us on this journey down the paranormal rabbit hole. All right, everybody. Hello, hello. How's it going? Man, I think I'm the only one out of the two of us that sits here and dances in my seat with our intro. Yeah, probably, because <laughs> I'm busy doing other things. But hey, it is February 19th, 2022, and this is episode 24, and we're closing in on our one-year anniversary of doing this podcast. As we just about freeze to death here in Michigan, it's cold. Yeah, we got hit with that polar vortex or something froze us. <laughs> it can polar itself someplace else. I'm I'm ready for warm temps. So episode 25, the one after this episode, will be marking our end to season one for the podcast. So for episode 25, we're going to have an incredible guest lined up uh, to help us close out this chapter. And then we're going to start season two, which is already shaping up to be very, very awesome. So more information to follow on that. So keep an eye on our post on all of our social media platforms for information. Yep. Shh. Can't give away the secret yet who yes, it is. It's a secret guest. Very, very secret. Top secret maybe. Make sure that you head on over to YouTube also and subscribe to the podcast. So Michigan UFO sightings and paranormal encounters. So we're also found on Instagram at M-I-U-F-O-S-P-E-P and also on Twitter at M-I underscore U-F-O for all the latest and groundbreaking news for the podcast and the episodes. Also, if you would like to support the podcast, you have a couple options. Number one, you could go over to our podcast store and find some pretty cool merchandise if you would like to support us that way over at miufopodcaststore.online and you can see all the great items and things that we have for you to purchase. If that's not your cup of tea, you can also head over to the Patreon page and sign up and if you do that, we will announce your name in the next two podcasts along with listing you in the show notes. So you can find us over on patreon.com forward slash M-I-U-F-O-S-P-E-P. Don't forget, if you have a story you would like to tell, we would like to talk to you. You can reach out to us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. Send us a brief summary of your experience and we'll contact you to discuss things further and try to get you or your story on the podcast. All of the information just mentioned will be posted in our show notes, so please make sure you check it out there. All right, Michelle, I think it's that time. 
it's time for what's in the news. Yes, what is in the news? This news article comes to us from CNN, but was sent to us by a friend of the podcast, Chris Schultz, better known as Coach. Thanks, Coach. Unknown space object beaming out radio signals every 18 minutes remains a mystery. CNN. While mapping radio waves across the universe, astronomers happened upon a celestial object releasing gigantic bursts of energy, and it's unlike anything they've ever seen before. The spinning space object, spotted in March of 2018, beamed out radiation three times per hour. In those moments, it became the brightest source of radio waves viewable from Earth, acting like a celestial lighthouse. Astronomers think it might be a remnant of a collapsed star, either a dense neutron star or a dead white dwarf star, with a strong magnetic field, or it could be something else entirely. A study on the discovery published Wednesday in the journal Nature. So here's a quote. This object was appearing and disappearing over a few hours during our observation, said lead study author Natasha Hurley Walker, an astrophysicist at the Curtin University node of the International Center for Radio Astronomy Research in a statement. Say that 10 times real fast. I know. That was completely unexpected. It was kind of spooky for an astronomer because there's nothing known in the sky that does that. And it's really quite close to us, about 4,000 light years away. It's in our galactic backyard. Curtin University doctoral student Tyrone O'Doherty made the unusual discovery while using the Murchison Wide Field Array Telescope in the outback of Western Australia. It's exciting that the source I identified last year has turned out to be such a peculiar object, O'Doherty said in a statement. The MWA's wide field of view and extreme sensitivity are perfect for surveying the entire sky and detecting the unexpected. Everything is unexpected in the sky. So what remains of a massive star's death? Flaring space objects that appear to turn on and off are known as transients. When studying transients, you're watching the death of a massive star or the activity of the remnants it leaves behind, said study co-author Gemma Anderson from ICRAR Curtin Astrophysicist in a statement. Slow transients like supernova might appear over the course of a few days and disappear after a few months. Fast transients, like a type of neutron star called a pulsar, flash on and off within milliseconds or seconds. This new, incredibly bright object, however, only turned on for about a minute every 18 minutes. The researchers said their observations might match up with the definition of an ultra-long period magnetar. Magnetars usually flare by the second, but this object takes longer. It's a type of slowly spinning neutron star that has been predicted to exist theoretically, Hurley Walker said. But nobody expected to directly detect one like this because we didn't expect them to be so bright. Somehow, it's converting magnetic energy to radio waves much more effectively than anything we've seen before. The researchers will continue to monitor the object to see whether it turns back on, and in the meantime... They are searching for evidence of other similar objects. 
More detections will tell astronomers whether this was a rare one-off event or a vast new population we'd never noticed before, Hurley Walker said. So in this article just came out last month of this year, but they're reporting from March of 2018, and we already know what March of 2018 or just the month of March. Yeah, the what Ides of March, I'm telling you. Absolutely. There's something about March, but... Well, they won't publish anything or say anything until they have some concrete data. And science just moves that way. It's kind of slow. And they have to be published and peer-reviewed and all that good stuff. Yeah, check out the news article. There's a video embedded as well in the show notes. Now, what will be interesting is if they use the new James Webb telescope to look for these things. Because we're going to have a telescope in orbit around the sun about a million miles away from Earth. And that thing's going to see some stuff that's probably going to freak us out. So we'll look more into that later. Yeah, Elon Musk won't have anything on that telescope. Absolutely not. And it makes the Hubble telescope look like child's play. All right, let's get into some shout-outs. We're going to start with the Midnight Truck Stop has returned, baby. Oh yeah, hosted by Big T and Blue Knight. A very cool couple of guys with a great concept as they explore the strange and unexplained incidents that so many of us have had experienced while traveling along desolate highways. Give them a listen as they collect stories from all around the country from truckers and travelers alike. And then we've got the Lost in the Dark podcast hosted by Burton and Aaron. This is a pretty cool podcast that bills itself as an attempt to capture incredible conversations between best friends as we explore all of our passions, but especially music and the world of heavy metal. So if you're into paranormal investigations and loud heavy metal music, give them a listen. Strong language, but it's heavy metal music and the paranormal. What else would you expect? And then we're going to shoot over to the Chad Smith podcast, hosted by Chad Smith and co-host Sonny Conway from the Paranormal Chop Shop. And they talk with different guests every week about the strange, unidentified flying objects, the paranormal, and anything else they can think of. Check out the Chad Smith podcast on YouTube. Links provided in the show notes. He's also a fellow Michigan podcaster, so make sure you show him some love and check out his channel. Remember, we are all Chad Smith. And then, finally, we've got UFO Garage. UFO Garage is a podcast about UFOs, aliens, and all things weird. The UFO Garage podcast is a fun, laid-back approach to the UFO, UAP, alien phenomenon. We love chatting with interesting people, hearing strange stories, and having a beer or two. Hosted by Joe and Ben, they are dudes, you're a dude, he's a dude, she's a dude, we're all dudes. Yeah. All right, Michelle. So I checked the mailbox and we did get some email. So I think we need to do a communication corner. Yeah, we we do. We got a couple of stories and one of them we're going to share with everyone tonight. Yeah, this one's going to be a doozy. So hold on to your hats. And just for clarification, Michelle doing her English teacher thing, had to clean some things up, rearrange some things, but This is the story, correct? Yep, Lance, here is your story. All right, take it away. So from Lance, at the age of 31 from Muskegon, Michigan, I can't help but think back to the year 2007 when I was 17 years old. 
It was late summer. I was staying at my grandma's house. Her husband was a fix-it-all kind of guy. Not one door or hinge in that house made a squeak. If it did, he was there with a can of WD-40 to take care of it, or he would go about fixing random stuff, whether it was broken or not. It was about 3 a.m. one night when I decided to go outside to have a cigarette. I never drank or did anything else and was an athlete at the time. I had just finished school and simply wanted to stay up late and play video games. Well, that night's cigarette gave me more than what I bargained for. I had the cigarette perched in my mouth with a lighter in hand. They kept the house dark at night inside, living the old-fashioned way with conserving electricity. They had a three-stall garage with outside lights on each one. The one I opened was by their above underground pool. I walked out three to five feet or so, stopped, lit my cigarette, and it stopped. It looked at me. Its glowing yellowish eyes with red in the center of its pupils, frozen like that of a deer caught in headlights. They glowed. It was a mere 15 feet from me and about 5 to 8 feet from the deck. It was moving freely across the yard until I lit the cigarette. I took a puff, released it, scared as hell with what I was witnessing. I froze for what felt like 5 minutes but was more in the range of 30 seconds. Even at my height of six feet, I was barely taller than the creature before me. It was pure black with super long, thick hair. The thing was like a Bigfoot, super thick chest and a wide upper body that could have snapped me like a twig. That lighting of the cigarette made it stop, look at me, and produce sounds of sniffing a few times like it was smelling me. Its ears pointed, motionless. Its long snout, a foot or so, with razor-sharp teeth, exposed. I took one more puff. It watched me and then turned towards the rocks and privacy pines. It ran towards the dirt road towards the woods, jumped up the rock garden hill at the pine trees, and kept going, but not before shaking the pines from one leap toward it. It continued to run 40 miles per hour or so, snapping branches and scaring the hell out of me as it did. My grandparents didn't believe me. Their religious views and not thinking outside of the box blamed my occurrence on one too many monster energy drinks. That wasn't the case, though. I searched the area for footprints, a remnant of hair, anything. Nothing turned up, but I will never forget that smell the awful stench that surrounded it in my grandmother's yard. Holy smokes. That's a crazy story. Literally, holy smokes. Yeah. um, Bigfoot slash skunk ape, he said he could smell it. So did he Uh, tell us where this was at? uh, Muskegon. Muskegon. Yeah, so up north. Wow. Okay. Well, that's kind of creepy. Oh, you got your story as a dog, man. He didn't want to say anything like that to his grandparents, so. Right, right. Um, Well, thanks, Lance, for sending that in. We also have another story from Lance, but we're going to save that for the next show. So, uh, once again, if you want to contact us and send us your story, we will happily read it on the podcast. So, send it to mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. 
All right, Michelle, I think we need to get ready for our interview tonight. We've got a fantastic guest and will blow us all away, I am sure. And that is Sev Talk. Yeah, let's go ahead and we've got a little bit of background on Sev Talk. Sev Talk is an experiencer, author, speaker, and spiritual counselor. Sev, originally from Istanbul, Turkey, immigrated to the U.S. as a little girl, not knowing English when she started first grade and earned a Bachelor of Science degree in biology at Loyola University. At age 10, she began having ET contact continuing throughout her life, which she kept secret. In September of 2017, Sav came face to face with Grace, who burned two red X marks on her backside. This prompted her to delve into a deep introspection about her life's purpose, and it came out at AlienCon 2018 as a speaker and through her book, You Have the Right to Talk to Aliens. Sev is currently writing her second book, Alien Wisdom. Sev is featured in the Canadian TV docuseries Encounter UFO, Physical Contact, and can be seen and heard in interviews around the world, including Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. There is a planet and star system named after her in the Star Wars galactic system. You can find the Sev Talk planet and star system in Wikipedia. As a MUFON field investigator for North Carolina and a member of MUFON's experiencer research team, Sev helps experiencers around the world. She is currently researching the spiritual awakening of experiencers and offers guidance through the ET Encounters portal on her website, planetsev.com. All right, and ladies and gentlemen, please let's give a warm welcome to the podcast. Sev Talk. Well, hello, Wayne and Michelle, and to all your listeners and viewers. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for asking me to be your guest. Well, you know, we had Josh Casey on a couple of times and he told us that you were his MUFON uh, contact person and investigator. And he was like, you have to talk to her. So I was like, absolutely. Let's get in touch with her and, and uh, have this conversation. So it's great to have you on. And we are very uh, humbled and honored to have you on our podcast. So thank you very much. Josh is the perfect uh, story of an experiencer. So uh, I don't know how much your listeners or your viewers know, but Josh was a naysayer. And in fact, he went to school with uh, Bledsoe Jr. and made fun of him and didn't believe any of it. And now he's not only is he a believer, but he has his own show. And that <laughs> is an amazing blossoming. And to witness that blossoming within another, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful, so profound, so divine. And 
that's what makes them such a wonderful uh, poster boy or spokesperson uh, for an experiencer to come out, share your story, talk to somebody, uh, get some help processing. And then it's amazing how your life can just manifest in ways you never thought it would in their beautiful ways. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, uh, with my background as a science teacher and a scientist and Michelle is a, you know, English teacher and mythology teacher of 20 some years, you know, our experience was uh, life altering as well. Now we weren't, you know, abducted or anything like that, but we did have an experience where we saw a gigantic black triangle at about two 30 in the morning and it made no sound. It started to move parallel to us when we tried to get away from it on the expressway. And then it just disappeared. And we didn't know what to do with any of this. And so we, I reached out to MUFON here in Michigan, and I never received any kind of a response or a follow-up from them, which, oh, yeah, I, w- I was kind of disappointed by that. So Michelle and I created our own Facebook group, and we just made it a private group. And, you know, just by word of mouth, and we put our story up there about, hey, at 2.30 in the morning, we saw this. Has anybody seen anything like this or what's going on? And then people started through word of mouth telling people about our Facebook group. And now we're at like 5,200 people over the last, what has it been now? Three years, four years. Mm, going on four years. Four years. We started the group in 2018. 18, right after our sighting. But we didn't start the podcast until last year, almost one year ago this month. And uh, because we didn't know what to do with this and we were getting all this information and and things about other people's experiences. And I kind of wanted to talk to you about that as an investigator, um, some of the experiences you've had to deal with, some of the ones that you might have found most interesting, maybe frightening things you've had to deal with. Um, But first, I want you to kind of give our audience a little bit more background on you. I think that would be awesome for them to kind of learn your backstory. Um, And by backstory, I don't have any pun intended when it comes to the, the X's that you have on your backside from the aliens. And I'm, I'm not trying to be funny, but it's amazing because I've looked at these pictures and they look absolutely precise. What, what was left on your body. Um, But please, I'm going to turn it over to you and, and have you, uh, explain to our audience. Thank you, Wayne. Uh, Well, I'm originally from Istanbul, Turkey. That's where I was born. That's where my entire family is born. And about 99% of my family is still there. And I came to the United States as a little girl. First, we came into Canada. Then I came into the States. And I came not knowing any English. And I learned uh, English in first grade. And then I went on to Loyola University and I earned a Bachelor of Science degree in biology. So I also am very intrigued by the the biologies, the various biologies. And whenever I give a talk or do a video or a writing, I almost always include something scientific, something biological, because I really think it helps. Uh, so, uh, 
Ever since I was a little girl, I've been in touch with the other dimensions and so have my parents. And so we were very open and supportive about this as I was growing up. But for some reason, the first ET contact that I can remember when I was 10 years old, I never told my parents and it went on for a couple of years and I never said anything and I don't know why. It's just one of those weird things. And when I was 10, I was uh, visited many times, so many times that I lost count by this being that would come in a spaceship, like a typical saucer, and I would be outside waiting for it. Now, I am in fifth grade. I'm 10 years old. I'd be outside waiting for it. And each time it came from a different direction and it would hover right over me and I could see underneath it and it covered the sky. And I would be so happy to see it because it felt like I was, my brother was coming back to visit me. And uh, he would come out and he would descend uh, these stairs and he looked mostly human. Uh, from what I remember, he was pretty young in his 20s or 30s, dark hair, dark shirt and pants. I don't know if they were connected. And the only difference was really his ears that were just slightly elongated, not like Spock, but just, just a little bit more almond. And, and back then I wasn't even watching Star Trek anyway. Was and this in the United States? You were here in the States when yeah, this was taking place, this right? In, yes. This was in the DC suburbs where I grew up. This was in a place called Crofton, which is uh, very close to Annapolis. And so he would, uh, he would be checking up on me. And this went on for a couple of years. Uh, and each time I would just come to in my bedroom and I would have to get dressed and go to elementary school and just not say anything to anybody. But it was such a shock because coming back into my bedroom didn't feel like that was real. I'm like, my God, that feels more real than this. Like, what is going on? So I just kept it to myself. And then when I was around 12, I saw the ship for the last time. This time I was with other kids, but I, I didn't see their faces. And we all said goodbye to the ship. And we knew we wouldn't see it again. And I was very sad. And I just heard in my head, just do your work. It's time to get to work. Now, in fifth grade, I don't know what that means, or in sixth grade, I, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Now, I'm starting to see decades later. So for many decades, that didn't make any sense to me at all. I'm also wondering if I'm starting to meet those other kids that I was with. I think we're all about the same age because we were all about the same height. Kind of a family question. You said you were in, the, in a suburb of D.C. Were your parents involved in any type of like military careers or anything around that area that might've uh, had an attraction to what was going on with your UFO experiences? Maybe because, you know, they, they talk about these craft that will come to uh, nuclear weapons sites and things like that and shut them down and, you know, kind of given the vibe of, you know, we're not going to let you guys destroy yourselves with nuclear weapons. You know, you, you got our attention in, in the forties when you dropped the nuclear bombs and I'm just speculating here, but is there any kind of connection maybe with your families and how, how was your family with their openness and in, in your openness early on, how was that accept it in in turkey at the time was that something 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> it wasn't even accepted in America. I mean, my parents were always seen as strange ones because even back <laughs> in the 70s, they were buying water. And my mom loved to have dinner parties and people would come over and they'd make fun of them for buying water. And my dad would give them a taste test and then go, oh, it does taste better. Now buying water is like, you know. So they were way ahead. My parents were very innovative. Yeah, my parents were way ahead. Uh, but, uh, oh, did I lose one of your questions? Probably. Uh, I threw a lot at you about your <laughs> your family maybe being connected uh, with any type of a military career oh, yes. or something. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my whole entire life, I have lived very, very, very close to some kind of military installation, whether it was the Naval Academy or over here at Cherry Point or in D.C. When I lived on Capitol Hill, I was very close to a lot of things my whole entire life. Now, my mother's father was uh, the lieutenant colonel in the Turkish army. Um, My dad's grandfather was a high-level military in the Ottoman Empire. So it's in my family, um, but my father and my parents are not in the military. It's more my grandparents and before them, but not many members, just a few. And I do understand that often there is a military link between uh, in families that have experiences and living very close to uh, military installations as I have my whole entire life. Okay. That's very interesting. So you're, you're 10 years old and you're having these experiences and do they stop? And were you ever like asked your permission that you can recall that you wanted to go with them or were you compelled in some way or like, why would somebody that was as young as you just go with this creature, this person that looks semi-human or whatever, and you got this very close connection to, but wasn't there something that was like, something's not right here or was there something? Okay. No, it was more like something's not right on earth because uh, it was like I said, seeing my brother or a family member, I was so happy every time that spaceship was coming. Yeah. There was no fear or worry. It was like one of me. I'm one of them. They're one of me. It was that kind of feeling. Yeah. And, and did these experiences just stop at a certain age and then pick up again? Or what what happened uh, after that? Well, it was around 12 the last time that I saw this being. And then from then until um, for, for decades, I was more interested in automatic writing, channeling, ghosts, spirits, ESP, uh, telekinesis, all that kind of stuff. And as a family, we played around with that kind of stuff. I was much more interested in that, even though uh, um, Star Wars came out and Battlestar Galactica and all that. And I loved all of it, although I've never really been much into Star Trek. I like Star Trek now as an adult, but I never really much liked it as a kid. Uh, So I was a believer. My parents were believers and all that. But I was at that time, I was just drawn more to the the more the the normal paranormal uh, because I was deathly afraid of anything that looked like a gray. And I remember when I saw the book, uh, Whitley's book, Communion. Communion. Oh my yeah. goodness! I saw the cover of that book, and I was like, I immediately turned it over. And I'm like, I can never look at that again. 
And it was like that. And I'm like, something's wrong with me. This is not normal. Now I know why. I was having experiences, but uh, I, I wasn't realizing it. Um, now I'm having conscious memories and conscious experiences. So it's been going on with me the whole time. It really wasn't until 2010 that I started to have conscious memories where they they showed me a baby in a tube where they gave me information in Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, and then I had the two X's burned on me here. Uh, and that's what really just blew everything wide open for me. And in the meantime, and I still do this, I conduct soul purpose sessions and soul sessions. And these are interdimensional uh, sessions where I hear information, hear feelings, see information about my client that we can all do. We can all do this. It just takes practice. And what comes through is uh, your purpose and how you can activate it, how you can manifest it, what your best, best career paths are, uh, a past life that explains something that's going on now. And also a mental block that we all have is illuminated. It's something that we know of or maybe we don't know of that's just keeping us from progress or success. So all of this comes out in the sessions. They're like a blueprint to try and be as happy as possible. And I've been doing that for 12 years. And I do find that my psi abilities are related and correlated to my ET experiences. I do think they go hand in hand and they bolster each other. What do you think? Did they give any inclination as to why they were stopping at such a young age? Or what they were doing what, when they would take you with the other younger kids as well. Do you have um, any, any idea what I, they wanted? I, yes, I have an idea of what they wanted. Um, so what's interesting, that's a good question. So I've been in contact with a variety of different beings. So when it comes to that being, that's more a human type being. Um, not everything has been divulged to me yet. I do believe that it will be divulged to me as I can understand it or as I need it. Uh, but it was a type of um, conditioning, uh, a type of support. Uh, they did apologize to me once. <laughs> they said, we didn't know it was going to be this hard to be a human. And so we're really sorry. And uh, because this is something that a lot of people who have uh, activated ET DNA in them sometimes have some years or some problems, some situations where it can be difficult. Now, the thing is, we all have ET DNA in us, uh, some of us more than others, some of us more activated than others. We can all activate our ET DNA. And I do, do talk about that. And then on my YouTube channel, I have free videos about how to activate your DNA and why you would want to. So, I don't really identify with being a star child or being from being from another planet and coming here. I don't really identify with that. My focus right now is helping experiencers and just helping the world uh, realize this to be normal. Now you said that you think that your, your ET experience at a younger age is kind of correlated to some of your psi abilities. Can you like explain that? Were you previously more psi sensitive and then you had these experiences and it kind of turned things up or 
Yeah. I'm kind of curious as to what do you think happened there? Well, it's hard to know which came first, the chicken or the egg. I really don't know which came first. Um, but what happens when you are put your focus on on the space where your ET contact is happening and it's happening in the multi-dimensions. When you put your focus there, then all of a sudden you have access to information. You have access to abilities that reside in that higher frequencies. And so because of that, you can then use that information to then strengthen your psi muscles. Uh, this is the place. It's like a playground. It's like a side playground. It's your consciousness. What you're doing is you're playing and moving through your consciousness and your consciousness it, it lives in a variety of dimensions and unlimited amount of dimensions and, uh, and goes on into eternity. You're everywhere. You are everywhere. Each one of us is everywhere and we're all together. Uh, and so that is why a lot of people have ET contact, their psi abilities are strengthened because they are consciously and they're focused on playing in that higher frequency realm. Was I able to explain that? Yeah. Do you think that the reason they were taking you then at, at such a young age at first was, you know, around what, 10 in the fifth grade or so, that you already had some of these abilities and, and they were interested in and seeing how, you know, this human can do or has some kind of a connection she doesn't know about yet? It's very possible. Uh, I also believe because I did not learn English until I was seven or eight. And so for the first few years that I was living in America, I didn't understand anything anybody was saying. I just learned how to read people. So I think that has something to do with it, too. So I could kind of understand what was going on or how people were feeling. And so I was exercising my psi abilities by not knowing the language. And then my psi abilities were being increased with my uh, ET contact. I was just going to say, it sounds like you were an empath, like yeah, early on, if you were able yeah. to pick up on people's emotions and, and yeah. their reactions. Yes. And who's to say people believe that we have contracts uh, for people who believe that I made a contract. Maybe I made a contract uh, to come down here and do this for people who don't believe in contracts. Uh, this was something that I chose to do. Uh, why? Maybe because in my other lives, in my other consciousnesses, which are happening presently right now, Maybe I am living in a state that is more uh, in tune with other civilizations. And I'm aware of that in this incarnation, because we're really aware of a lot of themes and energies and feelings that move throughout all of our lives that we call past, but they're really all present. So that sounds kind of like the, um, like the multiverse kind of a string yeah. theory idea of you know, there's there's multiples of you that have split off in these multiverses with decisions like right now you're drinking your your coffee cup. But if you didn't drink your coffee cup, you know, from your coffee cup at that time, a split would have happened where the other sev would have taken that drink and yeah. then something else would happen. And, and yeah. 
I know it's crazy because that goes into infinity. And yes. that's not just Seb doing it. That's every single incarnation I have doing it. Right. It's all of your incarnations doing it. <laughs> all of us doing it at the same time forever into right. infinity. Well, it's like, you know, if, if Michelle and I would not have seen that UFO, our lives would be totally different. But this is a, now a, a path that we're on, you know, uh, interviewing people like you and trying to find information. It's really, you know, the podcast that we're doing here, even though it's Michigan and because that's where we're from and we relate some things to Michigan. But but we're, you know, we're investigating. We're, we're trying to take people through with us on our investigation of learning about these things. I mean, I'm not a a young, you know, Josh Casey where, you know, I'm pretty set in my ways, you know, Josh, Josh can, has got time to, to learn about these things. And, and I'm very concrete and scientific, but I know what I saw and I I know, you know, there was something else going on there. And that is one of the beautiful things about ET contact is it will, if you allow it to, it'll help you blur your lines. And so you as the biological, logical gentleman that you are, your boundaries were blurred a little bit and you allow them to stay blurred, which is wonderful. And they're blurring and blurring and blurring the more you even investigate this. I do have a triangle story, a triangle oh. UFO story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let, let's let's hear it. You have our interest. We're, we're, <laughs> we're listening. <laughs> All right. It happened here in North Carolina. This was a, a, a MUFON case that I got. And uh, I'm not going to say the uh, gentleman's name. Um, but I have shared his drawings on my Facebook uh, page if anyone's uh, interested in looking at that. So um, he's driving to work. It's really early in the morning, not even 5 a.m. And he's just about the only one on the road. He looks up and far left, he sees a triangular shaped something. And he's seen spaceships before. So this was an an absolute shock, but it was still very intriguing. And uh, he looks in his rearview mirror. There's no one behind him. The car in front of him is way up there. And so this ship comes, crosses the lane next to him, comes, floats right in front of his car, makes no sound. And now he's on the phone with his girlfriend, talking to his girlfriend about what he's seeing. And then it just goes away. Now, there's a light, though. There's a white light in the center of it and some smaller lights on the edges. Did you see any lights, Michelle? Well, we saw the three Three white recess lights, and then there were two rectangular red lights. Uh, That were on the back side of it, what we would consider like the back side, right? That's because it had rotated, and that's where you saw the red lights, correct? Yes. Yeah. So like on the back, almost like a, an engine, she saw the red, red. I was driving. So she was on the passenger side of the car. For me, all I saw were um, three lights, one in each corner. And those lights were like globes that were recessed into this vehicle, whatever it was, this giant triangle. And they were very bright, but it was more of a bright glow it did not cast any light onto the ground which i thought was really weird so 
it almost made me think of the whatever this is, they have control of how the light or, or if it was a propulsion system or something, they can control how the light is shining, I guess is the only way I could say it, because as bright as those lights were, I would expect to see some type of light on the ground. And the only light I was seeing around us was the street lights, which those were reflecting on the bottom of this vehicle, but also oh. being, they were being absorbed. The light was being absorbed. So you could just see like the skin of a, of a craft. It, it, it looked like a black skin, but it also looked like it was really like a mirage, like heat. And it was absorbing the light that was reflecting from those street lamps. That's, I mean, that's how low it was. The thing was ridiculously huge, about 300 feet on a side. It was like the size of a Walmart or something is the yes. only way I can describe yeah. it. And no noise, no sound. Not, no, not no single sound. sound. That does sound like what this gentleman saw. And then uh, two weeks later, two weeks later, uh, he, uh, his girlfriend gave birth to their little baby. He has a new baby. He fell asleep on the couch. He wakes up to see the star being from across the room holding a baby star being. Just look at him and start floating across the room and come right towards him. Star being like an adult and holding a baby star being and it's coming closer and closer and closer and closer. And then he doesn't remember anything. So the question is, is your child a hybrid? Are they showing you a hybrid? Are you a hybrid? What's going on? Why are you being shown a star baby? And you drew a picture of it too. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. The, the, the only thing about that craft that sounds different than what we saw was a lot of these people see there's like a light in the center. And, yes, that's and, what he saw. Yeah. And see, we did not have a light in the center. It was just three lights now for whatever reason maybe it was off it was you know not functioning but we've had we've had other people here in michigan and one person on our show that we've interviewed and uh broken pieces (laughs) right right i was you know it's probably not what's happening not working maybe they got to upgrade though or something you know it was a later model or maybe an older model who knows because I don't know anything about the different beings or creatures that might be here from different places. You know, I just know what we saw and now what we're learning from people um, from, you know, Chris Bledsoe senior in, in his, his orbs and now Josh in his orbs. And then after we talk to Josh, we go outside and we see orbs. We had seen Ooh. orbs flying in the sky michelle got some decent pictures of them and i don't did you get a video as well or was it mm-hmm. just little pictures you snapped on the phone i think i took one video yeah i mean oh. nothing nothing you know conclusive but you could see off in the distance and then our facebook group starts lighting up are you guys seeing is anybody seeing these orbs over here by us and stuff and i i was and i'm like yes absolutely here's pictures of it you know, and they're like, yep, that's what we see. So, you know, just yeah. really, really strange like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, fortunately for us, I, well, 
I did not have a very good reaction to this thing. Michelle's favorite line when we first saw it. What, what was it that you said? When, when did the military get that? Yeah. When did our military uh, get that? You yeah. know, because it was a huge black triangle, not some TR3B thing that everybody likes to throw out there and say it wasn't like a, a fighter craft or anything like that floating in weird angles and this stuff. This was huge in no sound. I just, I knew it was like, we have to get out of here. And then when we were merging on the road, this thing with that, which was coming toward us very, very slowly, almost at a hover, it rotated and started moving along the expressway parallel to us. Were you the only ones on the road? There were a few other cars around. It was, you know, two 30 in the morning and we just got done playing a, a, a crazy night of bingo. (laughs) real real, you know when you play with the old people it almost becomes hey (laughs) it becomes full contact bingo you know watch the use of that adjective uh, (laughs) (laughs) well you know we well have either one of you ever had so-called dreams and quotation marks where you are with beings or you're being given information or you're seeing unusual rooms or anything like that or you're flying through the sky either one of you I haven't. No, but I can show you on my phone. I wake up almost every other night at 3.33. And I take, I take pictures of my, my screen. And this, this all started happening after we had this experience. So, so what happens to you at 3.33? Usually I wake up and I go back to sleep. That's about it. Or I get up to go to the bathroom and go back to sleep. <laughs> oh, you go back to sleep within minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. I know I only got a couple hours before I got to get up for work anyways, uh-huh. but yeah, I can, I can show you screenshots on my phone. Three thirty three, three thirty three, three thirty three. And what uh, do you think that is? I have no idea. Really? I, 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 I honestly don't, I don't know. I don't ever remember having that happen before in my whole entire 50 years of being alive we call it the witching hour yeah i mean some people have told me it's religious you know has some type of religion connotation to it like uh you know the father son and holy spirit kind of thing three 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 yes threes are extremely powerful yeah Uh, i'm a fan of nines (laughs) oh okay well Nine is a multiple of three. You know, Tesla said exactly. the answer to everything is in three, six, nine. Yep. So it's not surprising that you're waking up to three threes, which is the high frequency, high vibe. And now because of your experience and because of all the education that you've been undergoing, your frequency is a lot higher. And so now when you're like bombarded by a higher frequency, you can actually feel it now more than you could a few years ago. Yeah, I, I don't know. And maybe I'm one of those people that I'm putting up that logical block to going further and in like the podcast and and interviewing like you and Josh and all these other people is kind of my outlet right now before maybe wonderful. I'll learn more, you know, so thank goodness. Thank you so much for doing it. It's wonderful. So 
did he ever the the person that you were talking to with the the star person and the star baby kind did he ever figure out what was going on or have any other contact to to give him any kind of hints as to what was meant by that visitation or anything? Um, not that I know of. Uh, he was very well aware of the hybridization program, and he did think that maybe there was uh, some correlation, which uh, to me, it's obvious that there was. Um, whether it was his baby or him or both, uh, his wife, because there's so many people that are involved in the hybridization program. That's what I was told, and that's what I was shown. I was given information in Roswell and I was shown a baby in a tube when I was living in Baltimore, Maryland. And I was told that there are millions of people who are part of this hybridization program. The one I'm talking about has to do with grays and humans because there's others. And uh, I also have conscious memories of my lab and I have hybridization, hybridized babies in my lab situations, which were not, comfortable, happy situations. So from my experience, I know of at least two different hybridization programs. One where there's humans involved and the babies are very sickly and they wanted me to heal them. And the other one where is the grays and the babies were not sickly. Uh, and it just seemed like it was a lot more um, scientifically advanced. And who knows how many others are happening. You know, it's it's funny that you bring up the hybridization thing because I was recently going down a rabbit hole on YouTube and and a surprise guest we're going to have on our show for our our uh, season one finale next week had a video up where there was a director or assistant director of the CIA talking about these people that were hybrids that they were investigating from a government standpoint. And I was just curious, what are your thoughts on that? And what did you think about the, um, the UFO UAP report that was released in June? Uh, I have not seen that video of the person talking about wanting to investigate hybrids. Um, I do believe that uh, there are definitely human beings that have, uh, highly activated ET DNA in them, uh, which makes them unusual or uh, different. Um, as far his as his name was, you know, I'm sorry, uh, his name was uh, John Ramirez, and he's an ex CIA officer who was giving an interview that was talking about uh, human alien hybrids or s- something along those lines. Um, ex-CIA officer says, yes, DNI and NASA directors were on board into looking into this. Yeah, I, I believe that because from my memories, there were human beings involved and I was shown human beings. I was shown grays. I was shown a variety of things. Uh, um, are they talking about those type of uh, hybrids that they're making or are they talking about a pure hybrid that just stepped off of a spaceship and is living on the planet. Uh, I think it was humans that were that, that are living amongst us now or hybrids that are living amongst us now that they have this anomalous DNA or or something along those lines. I'm not completely familiar with this. 
I believe yeah. that because I do believe that uh, we have uh, our, our DNA is so multidimensional and so many different levels to it. And so as you keep on activating, activating, activating your DNA, like you really do, you're less human, you turn into some other something. So, of course, that can exist. Uh, jumping back to that June uh, UAP UFO report that the government oh. put out, even though it was only for us, it was like nine pages. Uh, what's your feelings and thoughts on on that report? Uh, just chuckling, just a little bit of a chuckle. Like, you know, thank you for a little bit of nothing. Um, it, it, it's kind of clear from those of us who are in this world and know some of what's going on, not everything, uh, that the government's still trying to hide it. And as long as they keep trying to hide it, it's just laughable. So they're kind of admitting it, but kind of not. Okay, that's better than not admitting it at all. So at least we've come that far. They're wishy-washy about it. Uh, so they'll say, well, we have strange aircraft in our space, um, but they won't talk about who's flying them. They won't talk about anything along those lines, which is paramount to the whole entire situation. So the biggest thing about who's flying them, who they belong to, they won't even discuss. And until they discuss that, I mean, there's really, they're not saying anything. It, it'll come with time. It, we just have to be patient because it's coming. Yeah. Well, you everybody, think? you know, I always get asked what is, you know, when is the disclosure happening and all that? And it, well, for me, it's like, what, what is your definition of disclosure? I think it's happening right now when you see I like, agree. like us doing a podcast, we would never do a podcast and talk about these things, but we're bringing people, you know, information that they would have never had before about this subject. And you have UFO garage, you got, you know, big Willie, Dave Scott on spaced out radio and this huge community that's starting to surface on YouTube and yourself, for instance. And uh, to me, that I think is supposed to be the disclosure. And then the government kind of helps out with their, you know, they trickle out the information to make people go, well, man, they really sound crazy on that podcast. But now look at what they're saying over here. We got yeah. fighter jet videos. Maybe there's something to it. And so, yeah. you know, to me, that that's what my answer for, like, what is disclosure? What that would be? You know, I don't know if you have a different thought on that. Oh, no, I completely agree with you. Uh, disclosure is we're in disclosure. There's really no reason to even ask when it's happening because we're in it. Uh, and I agree with everything you said. Yeah. So from the government, it's going to come just bits and pieces and bits and pieces. And the truth might not ever come out from them, ever. Um, but we also have to realize it's going to come out as we can handle it and as we're ready for it. Because let's just not forget that I'm just going to talk about the United States of America. Uh, we're violent. We're very violent. And for any ET that's looking at us, we're horrible to each other. We're horrible to animals. We're horrible to children. I and mean, we're just freaking horrible. We're horrible to the environment, to Earth. And so what makes an ET think, oh, they're going to treat everyone else like shit except us? No, she's going to treat them like crap, too. And so there's that. It's we. There has to be a lot of spiritual blossoming 
that needs to occur and it's happening in order to create the proper platform for a landing or in order to create the, the proper uh, stage for the truth. And I believe that's what we're doing. You're doing, you're part of that. You're a big part of that. So thank you. Well, we're trying. And, you know, I know you said, you know, like sometimes having these experiences kind of wake people up to the situation and things. And and I would say that for me personally, if I took anything out of this, I would say that my curiosity went through the roof, especially from a technological science standpoint, that for me, I'm interested in 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 the technology and the information and knowledge that, you know, these beings would have of the the universe, the solar system, you know, uh, other beings and things like that. So it really like ignited my curiosity. And I think it was Jeremy Corbell that likes the phrase, you know, weaponize your curiosity. Cause that's what I feel like it's, you know, I've got to know now, you know, I used to have a little passing interest in, you know, ancient aliens or, you know, but it was always kind of one of those shoulder shrug things, you know, X-Files. And, you know, I was caught up in the whole uh, every time somebody on the news talked about uh, a possible UFO sighting, you know, they would play the X-Files music in the background and, you know, kind of downplay it. And the anchors would be snickering, you know, and when they were talking to somebody about it. But now it's like, you know, let's let's go. I want to know more. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So that is the other good thing about that is it did change the atmosphere. And so we do feel many of us in this world now, including you, you feel a lot more comfortable talking about the kind of podcast that you have now. I feel a lot more comfortable talking about my experiences now. But uh, I came out when it was still kind of hush hush. So I can see the difference and I can see that it's getting more accepting and more accepting and more accepting. Talking about your coming out and your experiences, can we jump to like what happened with you and your fear of the grays? And I think that leads us into those marks that you had obtained at some point. Okay. Uh, So right now I live on the inner banks of North Carolina. I live right here on the water. And I moved here from Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C. in uh, September of 2017. So I came here with my ex and uh, my second night here, I came face to face with the gray. And what happened was um, I was in the kitchen. I was unpacking the dishes and I felt something bite my butt and it really hurt like a bug or something. So I yelled over to Patrick, uh, Patrick, I think something bit my butt. Will you look at it? He's like, yeah. So I go over to the living room. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no male would say, nah, I'm not going to look at your butt. Of course he's going to say, yeah. <laughs> so I bent over and he's looking and he's not saying anything. And I'm starting to get nervous. And, and I had been in contact with the grays before. And back then I didn't like the grays. I thought they were bad, but now I don't, I, I, I think they're good. But anyway, back then I thought they were victimizing me because I thought everything was victimizing me. Uh, and uh, there's silence. I'm like, well, did a bug bite me? And he goes, 
Yeah, but there's also an X. And let me see if I can show you a picture. And I'm like, an X? What are you talking about, an X? And he took this picture of this X on my left cheek. That's and it was about crazy. one and a half to two inches big or something. Yeah. And it's equidistant. Like I've had people measure it and it's equidistant. Yes. So I saw that and uh, there's my, it was, that's my butt. And uh, <laughs> I was shocked and he was shocked. And I said, um, okay, we're going to forget about it. We're going to forget like this never happened. But I knew in my heart it was the grays and I was very afraid. So then uh, nine days later, I come to in my bedroom. My eyes just pop open. There's, uh, it's just instant awake. And that's another sign of uh, ET contact is when you pop back into 3D reality, it's instant. There's no waking up. There's no grogginess. It's just like you're alert and you're fully awake. And that's what happened. And I had this download of a memory. And I was on this uh, hospital type bed. And I was lying on my right side. And I was in this room that was dimly lit and I had hardly any furniture in it. And I couldn't move my arms and I couldn't move my legs and I felt paralyzed. And I felt something over here behind me and I was able to move my head. So I turned around and then standing right there was a gray. And I actually drew a picture of his face too. Yeah, right there. And we locked eyes. We looked into each other's eyes and I describe it as looking into two pools of black oil. And I was so scared. Oh my God, I was scared to death. And he didn't say anything. All of my other experiences with the grace, there was telepathic communication, but this time there was nothing. And I think that freaked me out even more uh, because we don't like neutral. We like, you're either going to be nice or you're not going to be nice. But if you're neutral, we just kind of like get freaked out about that as human beings. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just throw out there. Did you, you had a feeling like they, it was very indifferent to you. Like it really didn't. Right. Okay. Just very neutral, not mean, not nice, just totally neutral. And we just looked into each other's eyes for several seconds. And then I turn my head back around and then ding, I'm in my bedroom. The download comes. And then there was also something else I knew that I had never known in any other encounter with the grays. And I knew that I was on that bed in that room and I knew that room was on the moon. So I go downstairs and I wait for him to get up and uh, he always got up before I did, but this time I got up before he did and I'm waiting for him and I'm very, 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 very scared because if there's another X on me, I will flip out. I didn't think I'd be able to handle it. It would just be too much for me. So I'm waiting for him and my heart's beating fast and he comes downstairs and I tell him, And we had had a shared experience in Roswell, New Mexico before this happened. So he had an idea. And uh, I told him what I remembered. I told him I was on the moon and I told him to look at my butt again. And I'm praying. I'm like, please. Well, there was another X, uh, this time on the right cheek, directly across from the first one. Um, The picture's in the book. Uh, Same X. 
So we were both just flabbergasted. And um, I, I still, no matter how many times I tell the story, I cannot come up with a word to describe what it feels like when your reality is completely pulled out from underneath you. Because I didn't know who I was anymore. And I'm like, what am I doing at night talking to aliens? Like, why am I hanging out with ETs? And who am I? And who are we? And what are we doing? And what is going on? It was an existential crisis. And so I had to calm myself down. <laughs> so I managed. And um, I said, I need help. For the first time in my life, I can't do this alone. I need help. So I, I didn't know who that was going to be. I decided just to let it organically happen. And uh, one time I was watching this movie, uh, Unacknowledged by Dr. Stephen Greer. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. After I watched it, I'm like, this is it. Like it lit a fire in my belly. I'm like, I have to show somebody this X. So I went to the uh, computer and I heard in my head, MUFON. So I Googled MUFON and there was Kathleen Martin. And I sent her my picture and she responded right away. And she Zoomed with me or she Skyped with me for an hour and a half. And that changed my life. And then a few months later, I wrote the book and, uh, and I've been helping experiencers ever since. Yeah. And people can see those pictures that she was holding up to us in, in our conference call here on her website. And that's planetsev.com. And I think it's under the I am an experiencer, uh, like subheading in your on your website. And because uh, I just happened to pull it up to get a, a closer look at this. And those they look like puncture marks and they are they look laser precise and yeah. uh, exact. Yeah. I mean, I can't measure them on my screen here, but. They look like they were any idea what they what they are for or what they wanted. You know, I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, first of all, I haven't come across anyone and I don't even know any UFO researcher that's come across an X. So if anyone's watching this and has come across an X, please get in touch with me. I'd like to meet my fellow X. X. <laughs> Like um, a brand almost, or if they were taking like tissue samples or something, but usually if something's in a pattern, it's like a, like a, what we brand cattle with or something yeah. like that. An identifying mark. I did have some more geometric shapes on me after that. I had this really interesting octagonal shape actually in my thigh um, a couple of months ago. So they're continuing, but not to that degree because that, that's, that was intense. Uh, so it was down by my, by my bum, which is, uh, in the area of the body, the chakras area of the body that, uh, holds the Kundalini energy. So I do believe that my Kundalini was activated when your Kundalini is activated. Uh, something that happens, it's really intense is you have to know the truth. You have to know the truth about yourself 
And you have, just have to know the truth about everything. And it starts with yourself. And this is a difficult journey, but well worth it, as you know. And so I have been on the path of authenticity. That is my thing. That is what I help other people be their authentic selves so they can be the most fulfilled and abundant and dynamic that they can be. So that's why I switched my fear from grace to loving them because I, I just misunderstood because my filters were messed up. My filters were one from a victim. I was a big victim for most of my life. So I assumed the grace were victimizing me. And it's not until I started the self-awareness and the spiritual blossoming that I realized I'm not a victim. I'm always in control. So they weren't victimizing me. My exes weren't victimizing me. Nobody's victimizing me. Okay, then who are the greys? And that's when I realized that they've been helping me the whole time. Well, it's, it's easily understandable why you would feel that way. You know, I, I totally get that. Um, I mean, as far as you know, you don't remember giving these things any kind of permission to do the things to you that they did? Well, I believe I have. Oh, okay. I from the higher perspective, we have. And so from the lower perspective, so-called lower perspective, from the you can't see everything from the low ground perspective. You can see better from the higher perspective. I do think that uh, none of this is done against my will. That's my personal belief. Okay. Is this what, with, with your experience with, I'm sorry, who was the investigator that you talked to? Kathleen Martin. Kathleen Martin. Yeah. Now that yeah. name sounds familiar to me, but oh, you know, again, my, my ignorance in this field, is that what led you then to start working with MUFON and how did that all happen? Yes. So Kathleen Martin uh, and I have now become friends and she's a world renowned UFO researcher. And she's also the niece of Betty and Barney Hill. So she's that's where I know the name. (laughs) Right. And she's written books with Stan Friedman and she's written a lot of books and uh, she's on TV shows everywhere, conferences, everything. I mean, she's she's the queen of this world. Uh, So in my dealings with her, they were so profound that, yes, she left an imprint on me. Yes, I found MUFON to be extremely helpful for me at that period in my life. And then as time went on, as I was organically processing, I met some other people from MUFON, and they had suggested I become a field investigator. And in the beginning, I was not interested at all. And then I was talking with Terry Ling, who is in MUFON, And I don't know, something in that conversation just, it just hit me. And I'm like, I'll become one. So uh, you read a lot, you watch movies, you study a lot, and you take a test, and you have to pass the test. And then you become a field investigator. And then from there, after doing that for about six months to a year or something like that, then I was asked to join the Experience Your Resource team which is uh, we're the ones that actually deal with contacts. So field investigative work deals more with, I saw lights in the sky, I see pictures, I see videos, not so much direct contact. The direct contact goes to the ERT or the experience resource team. Now, going back to the X's that, and you said the octagon shape that appeared, 
Do you know, have you ever thought that maybe you might have had some type of implants at some point? Because we interviewed Terry Lovelace, you know, of oh. Devil's Den. And Terry's he, my friend. I yes, love that gentleman. He, he's a, he's yeah. a great guy. And, uh, you know, he lived in Michigan for quite some time. And he was one of our, you know, first, you know, big guests that we had on. And it was fantastic, but he, he's got the x-rays of the implants and things. Have you had any type of uh, like check that might've seen any kind of implants or anything? Not that I know of. It, it is possible. There's always been like little, you know, like there's a little weird thing here all the time. But one thing that I've been very aware of is this uh, buzzing sound in my ears. It happens a lot at night, like in the middle of the night. And it just, it goes like, like something's aligning. Like, like my, I, it just feels like my whole body's aligning. And I hear a lot of that in my head. Oh, that's interesting. And also it sounds frightening. Oh, I actually like it. It's a cool. I can't replicate it but, and uh, reproduce it, but it's a cool sound. And so um, I don't know if that's an implant or not, uh, but something's happening. Um, but so far, so good. You know, lately, I've only had really one difficult experience, and that was with an astral men in black. And that was a scary and difficult experience. Uh, all the others have been uh, very positive and very warm, except for some of my my lab experiences have not been positive. Some of them have been okay. Okay, you you've got to explain the the what do you call it the astro man in black or men in black. Yeah, that's all right, we got we got to hear that one. <laughs> okay, so this was December two thousand nineteen. Excuse me, December 2020. Excuse me, December 2019. And a friend of mine came to to visit from Virginia. And so she came and she was going to stay a few days. And uh, this was the first night that she was there. She went into the guest room and I'm in my room. And I wake up in the middle of the night because she's getting into my bed. And she says, I'm scared. I said, okay. And then the next thing I know, I feel something behind me. I turn around and just like two feet from the bed, there is this tall black being, um, like a dark shadow, like darker than the darkness because I could see it. And it had like a hat on. It looked like a men in black, an astral men in black. And all of a sudden, I felt its energy come out of it and into me, like into my chest, tried to come in through me, grab me. It felt like it wanted to grab my essence and pull it out of me. And it was intense. And so I put up a fight because I've learned I'm in control. They're not, they're never in control. So I just fought with it. I said, no, you got to go. No, you got to go. No, no, no. And it was an energetic battle. And I did it because I know I could. Uh, Some people don't even know that they can. After a while, it left. I was exhausted and I went to sleep. I wake up in the morning. My girlfriend's not in bed. And I go downstairs. I'm like, anything happened last night? She goes, yeah. And I go, okay, you first. She goes, well, I was in your room and 
and there's a window there that look, uh, looks over the water. And I looked out your window, and all of a sudden, there's a hologram. I don't know the difference between hologram and holograph, so I'm going to say hologram. There's a hologram in the sky of Jesus Christ. And a voice is saying to me, we can do this. We know how to do this. We can do this to fool you. I'm like, oh, that was your, that's what happened to you last night? She goes, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's amazing because we've all heard these theories that our government can do this and there's going to be, you know, a false flag and a fake this mm-hmm. and a fake that. Okay, so right. very, very interesting. I said, but you don't remember coming into my bed? She goes, no. And I said, well, you came into my bed and this and that and this and that and this happened. And so we're like, okay, let's just forget about it. <laughs> we'll just go on like none of this happened. And at the time, I didn't realize it. I realized it after she left that that being was attached to her because that being was a, a low vibratory being. Now, my friend was a spiritual teacher, but she had just gotten entrapped by all the uh, Hillary is going to be arrested tomorrow and the Democrats are eating babies and the pizza gate this and the that oh, this, yeah. and 100 people. And she got so she went down the rabbit hole with that. And that is a low vibe. And so when you spend all your your thoughts and time looking at those videos and processing that low vibe information, low vibe beings align with you. So wherever you go, you go with your people. You end up attracting them and they become like these hitchhiker type of situations. And they go wherever you go. So you go to a friend's house and you're bringing your negative posse with you. And so what they do is they poke at people to see who they can align with. And he was poking at me, but he couldn't align with me. But I had to fight it. Yeah. Strong. It was strong. Yeah. Um, man, that's that is crazy. That's a scary story. I so I wanna I wanna ask you a quick question about the grays. Now there's been speculation that these grays are not actual living beings, or there's some type of a a synthetic type of worker hive mind type of creature working for a different alien or, you know, interdimensional being or something like that. Since you've had experiences with them now, what are your uh, thoughts about what these things are? When I was shown the baby in the tube in Baltimore uh, around 2012, there were three grays uh, standing behind me, tall, medium, and short. And they telepathically just told me, take all the time you need. Just keep on looking at this baby in a tube. That was back before I even knew that the grays came in various sizes. I didn't even know that. So fast forward many years later, I have a my lab experience. And uh, often I am in the same room and I'm in this room. It's like a government room, just really just blah, bland. Everything is bland. And I'm looking into another office and there is uh, half of the wall is a window. So I can look straight into the other office. And I've been in that office before looking into the other office this time. Uh, as usual, there was this young man standing next to me and uh, they brought in a gray 
into the room across from me. And he said to me, see this gray? And I said, yeah. And he said, that's the original gray. I'm like, okay. They took that one out. Then they brought in another one that was a little smaller. And he said, this gray is a hybrid of the original gray. And then they took that one out and then they brought in the tiny one. And he said, that's the hybrid of the hybrid of the original. And I also understood with each down, it felt like going down, there was a loss of sentience or consciousness. Okay. And so the most conscious, most sentient was a tall one. And the least was a little robotic baby one. All right. Let's talk about any cases that you've worked as a MUFON investigator, anything uh, you already kind of talked about the triangle and, and then your creepy experience with this Astro man in black type of a situation, or what about what you've had to investigate, you know, coming in from an outsider to somebody else's encounters or experiences um, that was maybe very uplifting. I mean, I know we know that, the Josh Casey situation, but what about uh, something on the darker side of things as well? Something on the darker side. All right. Uh, Everyone is a different place when it comes to processing their ET contact. And so sometimes I get someone who's pretty well processed because they've had a lot. And so they can deal with it, but they have some questions. Uh, And then I deal with someone who it could be their first conscious experience and they're so freaked out and so afraid, just really, really afraid. And these are very sound minded people. But then we also just like in normal populations, sometimes you might deal with someone that might have a history of some kind of mental disease. Unfortunately, A lot of people are put away when they tell their family, I saw an ET, and then they're labeled as mental. So it's kind of hard. I mean, there's some, of course, some um, characteristics to mental diseases that you can pick up very easily and you can see. But some of these people have been labeled as mental or crazy and they're not. And they're just trying to change their own definition about themselves, which is a very, very difficult thing to do. And so when they come to us for guidance, uh, what what we do is just offer non-judgmental platform for them to just completely get their whole story out. And uh, we're not here to resolve anything. We're not here to answer any questions. We're not here to tell tell them any whys, answer any whys. We're here so they can just talk about it. And then we offer help through our experiences, but also if they want to see a hypnotherapist or if they want to go to a support group, because there's so many support groups now. So when I first came out or when I first started having ET contact, there weren't support groups that you can just go online. So right now it's so easy. And I encourage everyone just reach out someone somewhere. The most important thing is to come out to yourself. If you don't have, you don't have to come out to anybody else, but you have to come out and you have to tell yourself, 
this is a real part of my earthling experience is to be having experience with the ETs. This is real. This is my life. And this is really happening. You have to admit that to yourself. If you don't, you're going to screw up all the other realms of your life because you're not being the real you. I know I lived it. I did it. <laughs> so Sav, let me ask you a question. Have you had you yourself personally or any cases that you've dealt with that deal with other paranormal other than ET or cryptids, um, anything of that sort? There's a lot of paranormal because they tend to go hand in hand. Uh, and so there's a paranormal when it comes to ghosts and spirit guides and things, but more of the paranormal when it comes to ETs, the orbs, there's so many orbs, like you were telling me, Wayne, that you, you, you can see, Michelle, you can see these orbs. And uh, there are more and more and more people that can see these orbs. This is becoming like a new phenomenon. What are these orbs? Are they... I saw an orange one out here um, a few weeks ago. And some people say the orange orbs turn into spaceships. Some people say they're not spaceships, they're beings. Some or aliens or they're dead people or they're angels or who knows? So many different things. What I encourage people do, to do when they come in contact with an orb is to just consciously focus on it and talk to it and just pay attention to what you hear feel and see, because you will have a download of some kind of information. That's why it's happening. It's not by a mistake that you're seeing these orbs. These orbs orbs are showing themselves for you. Why? Why? I wish they would tell us. Remember, we're talking about your boundaries. It blurs your boundaries. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating. And it's, it's something that we never thought we would be going down. I, I don't know how to explain. I mean, I guess this is your, your, uh, you don't know what it's like to have your world shattered until you experience, you know, this and, uh, and now, you know, we're, we're just on this quest of figuring out what is going on. We'll probably never know, but it seems like every time we do a podcast, uh, or we're on a show ourselves or whatever, we get a little bit closer to, you know, understanding, at least from this, from my standpoint, and, and, and Michelle can speak for herself. I'm, I'm more curious than that night of being like fight or flight. Well, I can't fight this thing. We're running, you know, when we saw our triangle, but now it's more of give me more. I want, uh, my curiosity, I must know what is going on. And that's just that scientific brain. And, you know, I, I don't know Michelle's take on it. We don't talk about it that much. Like, what do you want to get out of this or whatever? But I'm sure she's got her own kind of opinions on it. No, I'm accepting of the fact that I saw something that I've never seen before. Um, and so it, it is, it, it's just, it's a curiosity of wanting to know more and wanting to hear the stories out there, maybe to validate what I saw myself. Ooh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Getting, just getting that reassurance. And that was another thing too, that we kind of started this podcast, hoping that people that were having these experiences here in Michigan and really anywhere, because we're worldwide, we're in, it's like 60 five countries of people listen to our show. It's interesting, but you know, 
it just blows my mind every time I say that it's like, that's, this is, you know, this is crazy, but can we, can we possibly help some people out there just, just for them listening to the show, whether it's, you know, they, they think they saw a, a cryptid canine dogman, Bigfoot or, you know, UFOs or whatever. And, um, you know, can that possibly help somebody? I guess we're, we're trying to do good in that way, but we also want to bring people along with our exploration and investigation of this, this phenomenon, this, this whole paranormal realm. Um, Michelle's more into the paranormal than I am. I'm kind of creeped out by it still. I mean, I've had my own experiences with ghosts or spirits and things that, you know, I'd rather leave that to the side, but give me a physical spaceship or, you know, some type of a creature or something that I can deal with. I, I can handle that. This the supernatural yes. stuff. But Wayne, we're moving from the 3D logical proof to the interdimensional. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where we're going. And for the I don't want to. <laughs> stuck in nuts and bolts you're going to be stuck there and then like people like me and michelle are going to keep on flying but it, it, it like it's more than nuts and bolts but i understand what you're saying i, I mean i i get it but you know it's like I, I, anyway i'm much more interested in the um interdimensional proof uh than i am really in um a 3d proof of a uh a flying saucer and marks and things. Cause we already have a lot of that. We already have a lot of proof. I, w- I, w- I want proof to me. I mean, I know what we saw that you don't have to prove that to me. We saw what we saw. That thing was real. If I was yeah. by myself, I probably would have never said anything, <laughs> but Michelle was there and, and how we could have had a shared delusion of some type or, you know, what I've heard some people say, it's like, no, it, it, we we could draw the same exact thing that yeah. we saw. And that was shown just for you and Michelle. Why? Yeah. Cause as far as I know, the other cars, now there were not a lot of other cars in that area, but it's always a busy area. It's a suburb of Detroit. So, you know, it, it's always a busy area. Even at two 30 in the morning, there were other cars there. Nobody else was reacting to it at all. Yeah. And, uh, I guess we were supposed to see that and start this. And some of the people yeah. that I have talked to were like, this is how they influence humans going forward through throughout history. They've been doing this. Yeah. Through experience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, we are over an hour already, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. So, was there any other subjects or anything you wanted to touch on before we start wrapping it up? Oh, um, I would say your books. Oh, thank you. Uh, so I did write a book. Uh, you have the right to talk to aliens. Uh, and I'm working on my second one right now called Alien Wisdom. And it's going to include true alien stories. Uh, and uh, this book was my coming out. And it talks about my lifelong experiences 
uh, and why I came out and why it's the best decision I've ever made. And all the things I was afraid of, all the people I thought that I was going to lose, all like how crappy my life was going to become because I came out, none of it happened. <laughs> it all was much better than I thought it would be. Well, that's awesome. And we're going to uh, obviously have links to your books and your website in our show notes and everything. So people are interested in reading those books, you know, you will put a link up and you guys can get right to them. Are you on Amazon? And Yes. Okay. And I have my YouTube channel, Alien Spirit TV, with lots of free videos uh, about ET contact and about how to raise your frequency and DNA activation and also guided meditation so you can connect with ETs and other worldly beings because I do help people do that. I was always curious. I, I've seen on your website and some of the things that you've done that you've been on a Canadian, was it a Canadian UFO show at one point and coast to coast AM and stuff. What was your experience like dealing with uh, those situations? Uh, with coast to coast? With coast to coast, any of them. So Yeah, that's... Uh... That was a wonderful experience. And I, I was just heard from a lot of people afterwards. And it was wonderful uh, and uh, very enjoyable, even though for me, it's midnight. And in fact, I'm going to do uh, Dave Scott's uh, Spaced Out Radio next oh, week. Oh, awesome. Be at midnight, too. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I love that experience. And uh, um, George Norrie actually interviewed me. And that was very good. And it was very fun. He's very good. Uh, the Canadian docu-series, which you can watch now, uh, Terry Lovelace and I are featured in a special called um, Physical Contact. It's called UFO Encounter or Encounters UFO Physical Contact, something like that. I do have the link on my uh, Facebook page and on my um, website, planetsev.com, where okay. you can also go if you're interested in a soul purpose session or in a soul session. Well, as we wrap things up here, um, one of the questions we always like to ask our guests is since we are a Michigan-based UFO podcast. Do you have any ties to Michigan? I've been to Michigan. Oh, okay. My first husband was from Michigan, and his dad uh, graduated from Notre Dame. And so I went to that place where... Indiana's right here, Michigan's right here, or you could cross the, you look across the street and you're in a different time zone. I was in both, I was in both states. Do, do all of your ghost, uh, guests have a connection? It's a cool question, actually. No, no, not always, but. And we have all kinds of crazy history that we've uncovered and started learning about UFO sightings and stuff here in Michigan. One of the big ones was the swamp gas controversy in 1966. There was two weeks of UFO sightings that were initially reported to the police by a, a farmer named Frank Manor and his son. And all of these people witnessed these things from orbs to actual discs flying around for two weeks. Even the police were following them and got pictures of them and things like that. So much so that, um, Gerald Ford, the before he was president of the United States, he was from Michigan. He asked the Air Force to send people out to investigate what was going on out here. And that's when um, J. Allen Hynek came out with Project Blue Book. 
and blew everybody's mind. He didn't even investigate anything. He was here like a day or two. And then he had a press conference with all of those people from the national press club and things here in Detroit. And he dismissed it all as swamp gas. Later, he retracted his statement and said that he was pretty much told that he had to. Yeah, but the damage was done. But the damage was done. Everything here in the in the state when it came to UFOs just kind of shut down. And Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. um, no, there was no talk or anything of it, but it was still going on quite a bit, especially in Lake Michigan. There there have been lots of USOs and, you know, craft going in and out of the water. Mm-hmm. And things like that for, for the state and the huge amount of water and things that we have here, it's, uh, it's kind of hush hush. I mean, honestly, it's kind of mm-hmm. unfortunate because the people that we hear from are seeing things quite often and they're not aircraft. Yeah. There's lots of things that go on here, but mm-hmm. unfortunately it doesn't get talked about much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well, we're well, talking about it. You're changing that, yeah. We're trying. All right. So, anything coming up? Yeah, you mentioned Dave Scott on uh, Spaced Out Radio. You're going to be on his show uh, next week, right? So, anything else coming up? You got TV appearances or anything coming up? Uh, actually, Spaced Out Radio is doing a woman in ufology uh, the last Saturday in February. And- okay during the day and I'll be talking on that. I'm really honored to be included in that. And I'm also the master of ceremonies at MUFON's International Symposium in Denver this summer. So that's I'm really awesome. Excited that. mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, conference and thing, conferences and things, uh, a lot of them are still online. There's still some in person. Uh, the MUFON conference will be in person. So uh, those are coming in and the interviews. And uh, it's a really fun time to be in the UFO world, isn't it? <laughs> it, it you know, we started this. We had no idea in June there when we what was it? It was February of last year, 2021, when we started our podcast. We didn't know our podcast would explode the way that it has. And we had no idea that that June they were going to be releasing this UFO report. Yeah. You know, so it was just like things just kind of happened, you know, and uh, I, I really don't have anything else. Michelle, anything else you wanted to ask? No, I think that we're we're going to let Sav go enjoy her evening because it is getting late. Thank you so much. I loved it. Your questions were excellent. Thank you. Yeah, we were happy to have you on. And uh, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. And we hope to talk to you again soon. I would love that. Well, that was quite the interview. What do you think, Michelle? The pictures that she showed us of the acts, it's like perfect puncture wounds. Yes. And I'm going to put those pictures as part of the thumbnail for this episode. So people will see those and you can look at those pictures for yourself. And also her drawing of the alien gray that she said that she had to deal with. So from that drawing, I would be kind of creeped out dealing with something like that as well. You know, I will say that listening to her story and how she thought the grays were kind of out to get her or kind of evil, I guess. And then she kind of changed her mind about them. 
I can't change my mind about them just yet. I'm not in that, that group because any, anybody or anything that would take kids and what experiment on them or, you know, or people for that matter. Or and, that drawing out of the essence. Yeah. What, what was that? The I, I don't know. Astral man in black. All I know is, you know, it, it's like I hear about the hat and all I can picture is the creepy old guy from the Poltergeist movie. Yeah. Meets one of the characters from Jim Henson's Dark Crystal about pulling the essence out of something or right. someone. And Well, she seemed to think that that, that shadow creature, and that's what I'm going to call it, was attached to that friend of hers that came to visit and really didn't have anything to do with Sev, but... They got into some type of a psychic battle, I guess. I I don't know what you would consider that, but there's a whole bunch of things that are wrapped up here, and it's not a nice, neat little bow to put things in. It is when the paranormal crosses over with UFOs and lines start to get blurred, and I think I've said that a couple times. Where you don't know, are those shadow beings you're dealing with? Are they aliens? Are they projections? And how about that star creature with the star baby, the star child, walking toward the guy that drew the picture of the triangle? And he woke up and saw, you know, those two beings coming toward him. And then they just disappeared right after his wife had a child. I would not be able to sit idly by and stay in the house or not want to protect my family. So I don't know any kind of intruders into your private area or space just does not sit well with me. And I think that's where people take issue with like the UFO report and it falling into like the national security kind of umbrella, because these things, you know, if you don't know what things are doing around you, they're a threat. They can be a possible threat because you don't know what they're up to. So I'm in that camp now, maybe because I'm former military. I'm a guy. I don't know. But I like to know who's around me. I like to know my neighbors. I definitely would not like being taken out of my bed at night and spirited away on a UFO craft and have X's put on me. Yeah, it's bad enough you wake up at 3.33 all the time. Yeah, that's that's weird. And that only started after this sighting that we had. So God only knows what's going on with that. But anyways. All right, Michelle. Well, it's time to hit the road, everyone. I think so. We're going to wrap this one up. And remember, next episode is our season finale for season one of the podcast that'll be episode 25 with a very special guest so keep an eye out for that until next time remember keep your eyes to the sky you have been listening to the michigan ufo sightings and paranormal encounters podcast you can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi 
underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO sightings and paranormal encounters. So until next time.